may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. So good just to worship God. I was so blessed Lord, just over the last uh, 24 hours, our, our prayer time, just coming together and just to focus on God. And for those of you who joined, I'm sure you feel the same. That it's just such a blessing. I, I sort of came and went as I was able to, and every time I'd sort of have a plan to leave at a certain time, and I just found myself thinking, oh, an extra half hour, an extra half hour won't matter. It's just so good to focus on the love of God is to become aware of Him, of what He says. You know, prayer, I think, should be so much more about what He says than what we say. It's about him, us listening, us being attentive to what He's saying. This morning, we're going to do two things. I want to talk a bit about us as a church and our future, but I also want to begin a new series this morning that we're going to look at over the next number of weeks. And our new series is called Joseph from Dreams to Destiny. And when I say that, destiny, I'm not saying destiny is like fate. We are not a fatalistic religion. There are so many religions on this earth that believe that God is some force out there that we cannot know, that we cannot uh, have any control over our destiny, and, and they believe in fate. But we are not a fatalistic religion. We do not believe that God has set all things in motion and there is nothing we can do about it. In the Garden of Eden, He placed all the amazing trees and plants and, and things in the garden, but he made a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, do not eat this fruit. He gave us a choice from that very beginning. It wasn't fate. He gave us a choice. And we have a choice to accept his gift of eternal life, his gift of forgiveness, or we can walk away from that gift and reject it. We have choices in this life. But God wants to take us from dreams to destiny, to that destiny that He has planned for us, that does those, those things that He has desired for you. You know, kids, God has a plan for your life. God has a desire, a destiny that He is calling you to, to be a part of. And we're going to be looking at this over the next five or six weeks. Joseph, from dreams to destiny. Now, I want to... Um, acknowledge that maybe someone here today, maybe some people here today, don't really know much about Joseph. This isn't about my son. This is about Joseph in the Bible. And Joseph you may have heard about as Joseph with the man with the Technicolor dream coat. Well, that's not entirely correct either. Joseph had a special coat given to him. He is a guy that lived on the earth. Jo Joseph was the great-grandson of Abraham. So you've got Noah and the flood, the flood happens, and then uh, the Tower of Babel, and then you've got Abraham, who God speaks to and says, I'm going to bless you and cause you to be the father of a great nation. And Abraham's kind of like, well, that's crazy, I've got no kids, but he has kids. And God reveals himself to Abraham like we looked at in our series on the names of God last year. He revealed, my name is Elohim. I am Yahweh, I am Elohim, the personal God who wants to have relationship with you. And God spoke to Abraham and he had a son named Isaac. And then Isaac had a son named Jacob. And then God said, I'm changing your name from Jacob to Israel. And Jacob wrestles with God and, and God says, you're no longer Jacob, you're going to be Israel. And he confirms his, his promise to Abraham and he says, you're going to be the father of a great nation. You're going to have a great nation birth through you. And Joseph is one of Israel's sons. And Joseph has these dreams, and we're going to look at that this morning, but Joseph has these dreams, and his brothers don't like it very much, so they throw him in a pit and decide to kill him. 
But then one of them has his brainwave. It's like, no, instead of killing him, let's sell him and like some, at least make some money out of this guy that we hate. So they sell him into slavery. Yeah, Joseph, I'm praying this never happens to you, mate. That's all right. Um, <laughs> he gets sold into slavery. He gets taken off. And um, he, gets, he becomes a servant in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife takes a liking to Joseph and makes some accusations and he flees, but he gets caught and he gets thrown in prison. And he hasn't done anything wrong, but Joseph is growing in wisdom through these years and he, he trusts God, he's faithful to God. And in prison, he explains some, dream, some dreams and through all of those things, God fulfills that dream that God gave to Joseph and he becomes second in command over all Egypt. And Egypt was a powerful kingdom in that day. This man, this, this young boy who, who comes from out in the sticks, comes to be second in command of all of Egypt, just as God works through his life. And we're going to be looking at this guy, Joseph, over the next few weeks. But I want us to turn in our Bible to Genesis chapter 37. If you've got your Bible there, I encourage you to get it out. Let your Bible be alive. Let it be circled and underlined. Let it be something that you know that you, it's, it's like your best friend, that you know it so well. You know where that thing is because it's got that little wrinkle here and it's got that little tear there where someone bumped you one day when you're reading the Bible. It's got that little coffee stain on that corner. That's where that verse is. Let it be alive to you. Let it be your best friend. The Word made flesh. It's Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Genesis 37 and verse 1. It says this, and kids, you can read along too. You can listen and hear what God's saying to you this morning. So Jacob, the son of Isaac, settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. I think Il-Ah was the name of the day. Um, different variations. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. I think maybe Joseph was a little bit of a how do you say that word? Dibadoba, maybe. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph. That's his father. He loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age and to the wife that he really loved. Rachel, not Leah or his other servants. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Doesn't say a technicolor dream coat. It says a beautiful robe. This was like a robe that a king would give to his, his virgin daughters, it says in some commentaries. This was a beautiful robe for the, 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 a child of a king. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream and when he told his dream, he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And I think he had some joy sharing this dream. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? You actually think you'll reign over us. And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. And they were going, oh, great, here we go. 
He said, the sun, moon and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well, as, as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dream meant. You know, I think Joseph had a great sense of his father's love. I think he had a really, really, really good sense of his father's love. In fact, I might be taking some license in saying this, but I think maybe Joseph was a bit of a spoiled brat. I think maybe he was a little arrogant. I think maybe he was a little cocky in his awareness of his father's love. He's like, how good am I? Check out the coat. How good am I? My father loves me. Now, I think God wants us to have an awareness of our Father's love. God wants us to have an awareness of our Father's love. But I think there's a continuum. There's a, there's a spectrum that we can be on. We can, we can be on the end of the spectrum that has no sense of God's love. We can be totally unaware of God's love for us. We can feel unworthy. We can feel too ashamed that, we could, that God could ever love me. And that's an unhealthy place to be in. God does not desire that we have no sense of his love. He wants us to know his love. I think there's a, there's a sweet spot in the middle there that we have a great sense of God's love. We're so aware of our faults, our failures, but how, how merciful and gracious and, and, and generous our God is towards us. That we are just so aware of his love day by day, moment by moment. And we, we, we know we're not perfect, but he just loves us. And it's beautiful in that place. But I think there's the other end of the spectrum. And it's almost like Joseph with his father's love. It becomes boastful and proud and, and thinking that he's done something extra and, and worthy to be a little more special than everyone else. You know, some people see Christians like that. That they're boastful and proud and they think they're better than everyone else. We are no better than anyone I say, when people ask me what's church all about, I said it's a bunch of sinners who get together and praise God because Jesus died for us and that we don't have to be seen as sinners anymore. And we just want to give thanks to God. We are no longer sinners. We are saints in the eyes of God. We are seen as righteous and holy because of Jesus' blood. But we can become proud. We can become boastful. We can think we have done something to make us worthy of God's love. We can think, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that, and God loves me because I have been a good son. But we can get boastful and proud. God, God wants us to stay in that sweet spot in the center. Where we come with humility, we come with boldness, but we come because we know it's God's grace that has set us free. God wants you to know who you are. God wants us to know who we are. To have clarity about who we are. I believe if we have clarity about who, we, who God says we are, we will have confidence in Him. A lot of people talk about confidence and, and self-confidence. But self-confidence is, is so fragile if it's just confidence in ourselves. God, I believe true self-confidence comes from confidence in God. True 
Self-confidence is confidence in who, knowing who God is, who God, what He has done, what He has said about us, that we have confidence in ourselves because God has made us who we are and it's who God says we are, that we can have confidence and be bold for His glory. It's not confidence in myself. I have confidence because of who God is and that He is faithful, that He is able and that He says these things about me. God wants us to know who we are without any doubt. That we're not doubting His love, that we're not boastful or or, or proud about His love, but we just know who we are in Him. You know, we see Joseph offends his brothers. It says, by the dream and by the way he talked about it. I think Joseph might have lacked some wisdom. I think Joseph was a little proud, a little boastful, I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's not on the screen, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about how if anyone could boast, I could boast, but I won't. He's like, I could boast about this and about this and about this and about this. I'm like, hang on, Paul, you said you weren't going to boast. It's like, okay, we'll give you a little bit of slack. But he says about all these things he could boast about. I could boast about all these things, he says, but it's pointless. It's meaningless. Our best deeds are are like filthy rags before God. We can never reach God's standard by our works. He says, we do not have confidence in our own deeds. That's what God has done for us. And then he goes on and he talks about the thorn in his flesh. He says, three times I pray to God that he would take away that, that, that pain in my life. But God says to him, no, my, my, my grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness. And then he goes on and he says, My power, uh, sorry, when I am weak, then I am strong. If we think we are strong, if we think we can have confidence in ourselves on our, on our own, we are weak and we are headed for a fall. But if our confidence is in God, if we know that we are weak, if we know that we are sinners that need to be saved by grace, If we know that God is our strength, then we will be lifted up. James says if we will humble ourselves before God, He will lift us up. But if we lift ourselves up, we will be humbled. If we find ourselves boasting, if we find ourselves getting a little arrogant, a little proud about our own goodness or whatever it might be, let's ask God to forgive us. Just say, God, help me to bite my tongue. Help me not to be so boastful, not to be proud. Help me to remember that it's all by your grace. God, give us a humble heart that we would know the joy of our salvation, but we would know it's all because of the love and grace of God. You know, I wonder, and this is just me, but I I wonder, I wonder if Joseph hadn't been so boastful. I wonder if Joseph hadn't shared his dreams with his brothers, how things would have gone for him over the next few years. If Joseph hadn't boasted about the dream, his brothers hadn't got so angry, and they'd never thrown him in the pit and sold him in a slave, I wonder how God would have outworked his plan for Joseph's life. I wonder if maybe he might have escaped some of the pain along the journey that he had to go through. That's just my wondering. I, it's pointless really, but I just wonder. God help us to know that it's by God's grace that we can be involved in anything that he's doing.
by His grace. You know, God cares more about your character development than what you do. God cares more about your heart than anything you do for Him. He desires that our hearts would, would be soft before Him. He desires that our hearts would be, would, be, would be thankful for what He has done, that we, our hearts would be right before Him. Our character is so much more important to God than what we do. In reality, the dream that God gave Joseph was nothing to do with him. It was, it was nothing for him to boast about. Dreams are not for boasting about. It's God who gives dreams. It's God who ordains the, the functions that he desires us to, for, to have. Every one of us is called to be a part of his body and to have a different function within his body. But we do not decide what function we play. God has ordained the plans he has for you. And it's not for us to boast about that I get to do this for God. I don't boast because I get to do that for God. It's all for God's glory. Dreams are not for boasting about. God might give you a dream and it's for your encouragement to, to encourage you to, to step forward into that thing, but it's not for us to boast about. All parts are equal before God. None of us should boast. All parts are equal before God. We're all saved by grace to work together for God's glory. In the end, who, go, who gave Joseph the dream? God gave Joseph the dream. Sorry, I'm just skipping ahead there. Who was the dream for? I think it was to encourage Joseph, but it was also it was a, a dream that was pointing the way to how God was going to bring about his people, Israel, and raise them up as a nation. The dream was about Joseph, but it was for what God was going to do for his people in the end. Let's have a look at Jeremiah chapter 29, and this is a verse that many of us know, but I want us to look at the context of what that verse says. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. It says, This is what the Lord says You will be in Babylon for 70 years. This is speaking to God's people who become captives and get sent into Babylon. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. And we looked at the book of Nehemiah, how God delivered his people was that last year? Was that before? Can't remember. Anyone remember doing Nehemiah? He rebuilt the walls in 56 days, I think it was. And God delivered his people. You know, who has the plans? It's God. Who has the plans we read about in Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking. It's God's plans. It is his plans for us. But who's he speaking to in that passage? In that passage, he's speaking to his people. It says in verse 4 that he's writing to all of his people that are captives in Babylon. It is not to a person. It is to his people. God knows the plans he has for you, his people. God knows the plans he has for us, his people. God has plans to prosper us and not harm us. God has plans to give us a future and a hope. 
You know, we live in such an individualistic society that everything is about me. Everything is about how I feel. Everything is about my plans, about what I feel God is saying to me, even for us in the church. But God knows the plans he has for us. If we were to read that in a right context, it's not to say God knows the plans he has for you individually, but God knows the plans he has for us as his people. His plans to prosper us, to use us for his glory. It's not to be an individual removed from his body, removed from his people. It's to work together for the glory of God. It's not to be prospered and and to have a blessed life and, and just enjoy God's blessings on our own. It's for us to be for the praise of his glory. It's not just all about me. God has plans for us. And you are a part of that plan, but God's purpose, His plans are for us, His people, to be for His glory on this earth. Actually, I want to ask if Vi could come and just share a, a testimony. She's going, oh, are you doing it now? <laughs> uh, can I just grab that microphone, make him or someone? Vi just shared it just briefly with me about this the other day and said, oh, I'd love to share this if I can. And I thought, yeah, this, this fits. Thank you, Lord. God has plans for us to use us for his glory. And if you can just share why. Okay. Um, first, I just wanted to say, I, I, like, I love this church and it's just such a great body of people and we all, like, you know, are many parts and we all yeah. do our thing, but we're also always ambassadors for Jesus. And yeah. um, God brings in lots of people to this church and um, when they come here, you love on them beautifully. The worship today was gorgeous, so just wanted to say thanks. But God brings us in so that we can go out and, um, and that we can hear from him. And I just wanted to share, um, our family plays a game at home at dinner time and it's called Two Good, One Bad. And what we do is we, um, we did it for Talara to teach her to speak up, basically. And we share one good story and in the middle we put something not so great about the day and end it with something really good. I wanted to share um, three testimonies. (laughs) The first one was um, I was working um, very hard and very busy and I was driving down Cants Road and I seen this person and I, I felt that I heard that he has to go to church and I was like, he's walking past the church, (laughs) you know. But I was off un- unpacking a, a house and so busy I, I didn't stop and talk to him and then um, went off, unpacked the house. And the next day I ended up um, in casualty with Nally and um, me being me, making the most of my time. I had 20 minutes while we're waiting for the painkiller to set in. I rushed down the street to get some food and um, I seen that man again because <laughs> Obviously, when I didn't start the first time, I repented. I was aware that I put my busyness and my lifestyle and work ahead of sharing the gospel with this person. And I seen him. I had 20 minutes to shop, share the gospel with this man and get back to Nelly at casualty. But it was on my heart to stop. <laughs> and um, I did. And I wound my window down and I started sharing with him. And it turns out that last, oh, a little while ago, he was in an accident and he killed someone. And um, I just sat there and went, oh, God, you so wanted him to know your love and your forgiveness and you want him in this church so that he can share the love of everyone here 
and know God's forgiveness. So God showed me why he wanted me to talk to that person. So I dash back to um, casualty and get Nelly out and go on my busy life. And then the next day I had um, Francis on my heart and all day. And I think I've got to ring Francis, got to ring Francis. And then um, Francis rings me and he says, Vi, um, I need to talk to you, I need your help. And I'm okay. Oh, I've got to work all day today, I'll, I'll try to get there tomorrow. The, the morrow was the day I ended up in casualty with Nelly and I didn't get to Francis the next day. Francis, Fran- I, mean, I kept hearing, get, catch up with Francis and then, so this is my bad testimony by the way. <laughs> and Friday again, busy, busy, busy working and um, I get a notification from Francis and he's in casualty and he'd been hurt and he'd been asking for my help and I hadn't, God had been telling me, get to Francis, you know, help Francis, he needs help. Um, and it was really beautiful because I went to bed and I repented that I hadn't, you know, listened to God's voice. It was quite loud and, um, and obviously the next day it was really beautiful. I got to connect with Francis and he's here. Thanks for letting me share, Francis. I did ask permission. That's good. <laughs> uh, third would be... oh. This, this, this is just an average week. <laughs> and then um, I was at work and this lady came in and, oh, whoa, she was telling me, she was just off the street. She did know me from the past. I was trying, my head's trying to rattle while I knew her. And she was telling me what had happened to her during that week, um, which made her living situation really dangerous and not a good place to be. And um, she's sharing with me. My first thought was... <gasps> I'm going to have to find her accommodation. My first thought wasn't, you know, what's God going to do about this? My first thought was accommodation. And so I go, oh, okay, quickly, I can do this. I can sort this van out because we're fully booked. And um, she looks at me and she goes, no, 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 I don't don't need that. I've got a really loud dog. I can't can't stay here. So my second thought was, wow, (laughs) she came here, you know, she's at a caravan park. For those who don't know, I work at a caravan park. Um, I thought, oh, um, you come to a caravan park for accommodation. I'm offering you accommodation. I went, oh, she needs prayer. So I, I, I went up to her and look, I said, can I pray for you? And um, I prayed with her and, and she burst into tears and tells me that she died last month and um, she had an encounter and she now understood it because I shared with her the gospel and um, she was able to put it all into context. So <laughs> I just wanted to share that um, we're such an awesome body of Christ and we all come here, our worship and our word and our pastor's awesome. Um, for those who don't know Jesus, this is the place to be, to hear about Jesus. For those who know about Jesus, out there's also the place to be because I want us to live a life that... Um, I had 40 years where I met some really beautiful people but I never knew any of them knew Jesus. I knew that they were really excellent, beautiful people and now I look back and go, oh, that's why they're so beautiful. But people need to hear the word of God because it has the power to save. And people need to hear that we love Jesus and we're children of God and it's Jesus for the reason as to why we're so beautiful and why we're so giving not because we're good people, because it's a really dangerous place to be because there's people who need to know that it's Jesus as to why we're ace. 
Yeah. And there's people who need to know about Jesus. Both situations, people were dying or died or killed someone and they needed to know the love of our Father. Yeah. So make sure that when we're in here and we're filling up on Jesus that we're out there and declaring his love and people know it's because of Jesus while we're so awesome. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that. Now, we, we want to live and communicate the power of the gospel. We want to live it, but we want to communicate it as well. And I, I thank God for Vi, who I believe is, is stirring us in evangelism. She's doing the work of evangelism, but she's also stirring that, I believe, in us. And as, as God spoke to Vi, the, the dreams, the words he puts in our hearts aren't anything for us to boast about. And Vi doesn't share it to boast. She shares it to encourage us. And the dreams and the, the, the things that God puts in our hearts aren't just for us. They're for us to be a blessing to those around us. I want to read to you from John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1 says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. As we're talking about from dreams to destiny, we need to understand that it's as we remain in Him that we reach our destiny. The destiny that God has for us. That we see the dreams that God has put in our heart fulfilled as we remain in Him. We can do nothing apart from Him. But I want to also encourage you that if we remain in Him, if we are dwelling with Him, if we are reading His Word, if we are praying, if we are remaining in relationship with Him, we will live for His glory. You will be for God's glory if you remain in Him. A branch that is connected to the vine, God, cannot not be fruitful. The fruit of the Spirit is not something that we produce. It's what God produces in us and through us as we remain in Him. And as Vi said, she knew these beautiful Christian people. We will be those beautiful Christian people as a, as a witness to other people if we remain in Him. But we also have an opportunity to share the hope that we have. I want to share just really briefly I believe we have the desire, the gifts, the potential. We have the desire to, to share the love of God. We have the gifts to share the love of God. We have the potential to be ambassadors for Christ. But we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know our calling. We need to know why we're on this earth and we need to commit to that calling. We have an opportunity to be involved in what God wants to do on this earth. He has a plan a destiny he desires for people. He says in First in Peter, it's not his will that any should perish. We have an opportunity. We have the desire, I believe. We have the gifts. We have the potential. But we need to know who we are, what we are called to, and we need to commit to it. I want to look at those three things really quickly. Who we are. We are loved by God. Romans 8.38 says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us 
from the love of God, from God's love. We are loved by God. You are loved by God. You are chosen by God. John 15 verse 16 says, You didn't choose me. I chose you. It's nothing that we did that God allowed us to be chosen. It's that God chose to give his life as a ransom for you. He chose you. He calls us. We are chosen by God. And we are new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, if you have repented of your sin, if you've said, God, I'm sorry for living the way I've lived. I want to live for you. I want to live for your glory and not for mine. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's why we baptize people. When there's something that's dead, you bury it. If, if we have passed from the old life into the new life, we, we, we get baptized. We declare it. We say, my old life is dead. I now live for the glory of God. If, if you are in Christ, for all of us, we are loved by God. If you are in Christ, you have been chosen. You are a new creation in Christ. That's who we are. But we also need to know our calling. Our calling doesn't make us who we are. You might be called to be a hairdresser. You might be called to be a doctor. You might be called to be a teacher, a mum, a dad, a, a brother, a sister. You might be called to do any one of however many of those things. But that's not who you are. You are not, who you, you are not what you do. You are loved by God. You are chosen. You are called. And you are a new creation in Christ if you know Jesus is your saviour. That is who you are. We can get our calling and our identity of who we are confused so often. We can intertwine them and think, oh, I'm a bad person because I didn't do. No, you are chosen and forgiven and called and loved by God. That is who you are. God has also called us to go and do some things, though, but we are called to do from that basis, from that foundation, from that knowledge of who we are, God has called us to do things for his glory. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can. It doesn't say so we will. So we can. We have a choice. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It doesn't change your identity. It doesn't change who you are. But God has called you to be involved in his plans on this earth, to be involved in what he is doing through his people on this earth today. You are his masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus, so you can be involved in what God is doing on this earth today. We can get those two things confused so easily, our calling and our identity. We are loved by God. We are chosen. We are new creations in Christ by faith in Jesus. And it's, it's finished by the work of the cross. But he has called us to do things in this life. God has plans and dreams for us. God has plans and dreams for you. 
And as a church, as the church, we can get these things confused at times too, I believe. God has called us to be his church, to know who we are. We are the bride of Christ. We are the the body of Jesus. Living stones being joined together, Ephesians says. That's who we are. But God has also called us to be for his glory, to do good works for his glory. He's called us not just to to know who we are, but to tell people about his love, as Vias just encouraged us. God has plans and dreams for us. You know, this church, the Christian Family Church, or the Christian Family Centre, as it was first known, was established not to be a place where people just come to learn about God. This was not set up to be a place where people just come together to worship God. It was set up as a church that people would come, that they would find life, that they would find forgiveness, that they would find hope, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by God to go out for the rest of their lives and tell people about Jesus' love for them. That is why this church was established. It wasn't to be a place where people just come to. It was set up to be a base for people to go out from. That is who we are. That is who we are and that is who we are called to be. You know, I believe God is not going to save this city by us having another great event. This God is not going to save this city by us having another great program. I believe God will use our programs. God will use our events. We can have great times of worship here on a Sunday morning, but it's not those things that are going to see people saved. Maybe sometimes. But it's as His people, as we go out from this place, as we demonstrate the love of God in our lives, as we are transformed by the power of God in our lives, as our neighbours, as our friends, as our family, as the people in our, our workplaces, our schools, as they see us being transformed by the power of God, people will not be able to deny what God is doing in us. It's as people see their neighbour, their friend, their family member saying, you used to be like this, but you're, you're like that now. What has happened to you? That people cannot deny what God is doing on the earth in this city today. I believe it's as we boldly express and declare and, and tell people about the hope that we have in Jesus individually that God will reach many, 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 many men and women and children in this city, in the surrounding areas. The plan for this church was not just to be for Colac, it was for surrounding areas and to wherever God would lead us that the gospel would ring out from this place for God's glory. I just want to read a few things I wrote down as I was preparing, as just talking with God, and I see God raising us up to step out on a one-to-one level more and more in the little things He prompts us to do, to make an invitation, to explain the hope we have, to pray for people, to challenge people on where they stand before God, to make a phone call, to have someone over for a meal. I see God's people giving their time, their energy, their resources to bless the world around them. I see us more interconnected, studying God's word together more. And praise God for the life groups that we have grown in even over the last 12 months. I see us praying together. I see young people meeting together just to pray. Knowing that as more people come in and more people come in and more people come in, that there will be more and more people we don't know well but every one of us still finding connection and our own part of the tribe to do life with. That's the picture I see God giving for this church, that we be so connected 
We won't know everyone all the time, but God will give each one of us a place within the family to connect, to share, to do life with, and to be encouraged. But it's not just as individuals, it's as a whole family serving together for specific purposes. To reach kids, to reach young people, to disciple people, to run big events, to show God's love and demonstrate it to our community. To encourage other Christians in other places and to release people with the gospel and to see churches planted in other places. That's the picture I believe God has for this church. I'm excited about what God is doing and what he's going to do. I know I could tell you about some of the stirrings in my heart. and I've talked to some of you already about the things that God's stirred in me that I believe God's called us to have a witness to Aboriginal Australia as a church, that we need to reach out to our own peoples of this, earth, of this country. And I'm excited to see where that goes in the next 12 months. There are things that God is stirring in people's hearts and I'm excited for what God is doing in you the dreams he's placed within you. It's not one great dream that God gives your pastor that you are then to outwork. God has placed dreams within you that he wants to outwork. We're going to work together on different things and different projects and, 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 and events for God's glory, but it's what God is doing in you that is going to change those people around you. God wants to take you from those dreams to your destiny, to see those things fulfilled. You know, I was, I was just so excited, even about next Sunday, it's, it's not a church event, by the way, that birthing kit thing, that's something someone else has organised, and we're just going, yeah, and they're going to come and see all these church people and go, wow, how come you guys are doing this? It's like, because we love Jesus and we love people too, amen? Yeah, you can get a little bit more excited, that was, and, and then last Monday, we had the, the Days for Girls program, that wasn't my idea, that was someone else who came to me and said, Andrew, I've got this idea, but I don't know what to do, I said, let's do it, let's just tell people we're doing it, and it'll happen. And it doesn't matter if there's 5, 10, 20 people come. It's the dreams that God is putting within us that we might get two or three other people involved. We might be 20 people. It might become a whole church thing. But let's step into those things that God's prompting us to do. Let's talk about those things. Let's pray together on those things. Submit it to one another for prayer and discernment that we could move forward into those things for God's glory. Joseph knew who he was. He listened to the dream that God put on his heart. And I want to ask us this morning as I come to a close, are we listening? Are we listening? Are we listening to what God's Spirit is saying to us day by day? It's the same Spirit that lives within each one of us. It's the same Spirit that, that moves. Jesus said He only ever did what He saw and heard the Father say and do. Are we listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us? Maybe we've unintentionally or even intentionally tuned out from what God is prompting us to do. Maybe we've been hurt. Maybe we've been scared. Maybe we've been feeling inadequate and we've blocked out that voice of God. But God is saying, come to me. Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Listen to what I would say to you. God loves you. He calls you. He has chosen you. You are a new creation in Christ if you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, you can do that this morning and surrender your life to him and know the life and eternal life he has for you. Are we listening? 
I believe as we listen, as we spend time listening day by day, week by week, that we'll grow in clarity, that we will grow more excited, more stirred, more passionate about the love of God and declaring it to our neighbours, to this city, to this nation and to this world. I'm going to ask the band to come and I'm going to close by praying. But this morning I want to ask people if you would like to be encouraged, if you would like someone to pray with you, to pray for you, I believe we're going to have words of prophecy for people this morning, that God wants to speak to people this morning about God's plans for you. Maybe this morning your, your heart has grown cold, that you know God loves you, you know your life is His, but it's just like every day is a chore, that you're just going through the motions day by day. But God says, no, today if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. I want to speak to you. God, I pray right now that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, for those dreams that you've spoken to us maybe 20 years ago, that we have blocked out, that we've forgotten about, that we've thought you had given up on us for. God, I pray that you would just fan into flame those things that you are doing within us, those gifts that you have given us, God. God, that we would rise up as your church. We have the great privilege to be your ambassadors, to be your hands and feet on this earth. And God, I pray today that you would speak to individual hearts. That Lord, we would know who we are, that we are loved by you. Nothing we do that we won't do is going to change that. But God, we desire to live for your glory. It's our desire. And God, I pray this morning that you would activate us Lord that you would just it'd be like an unblocking of the pipe to release us to flow for your glory God I just want to ask you if we can stand this morning and we're going to sing but this morning if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ if you if someone asks you do you know you're going to heaven do you know your sin is forgiven that you're not in that place and today you want to say I understand that Jesus died for me and I want to surrender my life to him I want to give my life to Him. I want to say sorry for the sins I've committed. If that's you this morning, I just ask if you would be bold. I'd ask if you'd come forward and we can pray for you. That God would help you live that out. We've got some things we can give you. Well, this morning, if you just want to be encouraged, that maybe you've been dry, maybe you're just totally unclear where God wants you to go from this point in your life, I just ask if you would come forward and we, we want to pray with you. If, if you're a leader, oversight, uh, prayer team, if you'd come and you, if you can just put, lay hands on people and pray for people this morning. Let's believe for God to speak to people's hearts. Because we have an awesome God who loves us, who has a great dream for you, for His church. And He's just waiting for us to rise up, to take our place as His hands and feet for His glory. Let's stand, let's sing, and let's please just respond as God leads us to this morning.